Here we go. You are listening to Law and Gospel on this Rumination Thursday, February the 16th in the year of our Lord, 2023. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with me is my good friend from Springfield, Illinois, Pastor Wes Reimnitz. Good morning, Wes. Good morning, Tom. How are you? I'm doing really good. Uh, How's the snow out your way? Uh, It's still raining here. Yes. Does it, is it talking about snow? Because we're going to be heading up that way. Well, it's talking about it getting colder, but uh, uh, I don't know, a little colder today, but it seems like later in the week it gets warm, so your guess is as good as mine. But really a strange winter, right? Have you known of a normal winter? No. No, I guess not. But today we're going to be talking about a very interesting topic. I've mentioned it occasionally here, but not to the degree we're going to be doing it today. The title of the article you sent me in the email is Tithing in the New Testament is tithing in the New Testament. Now, when people hear the word tithing, what do they think about? How much you give to the church. Uh, A tithe was roughly 10%. It came down to as as 10%, which we know from the Old Testament there was more than just 10% that that, uh, was required. But... uh, what we've looked at here is is ten percent. Uh, a lot of Christian churches talk about generous giving to the Lord, and you should start out with ten percent. Yes. Now, it's kind of interesting. The article talks about why some people do not believe that tithing is necessary. What are two of the most common reasons? Well, it's not specifically taught in the New Testament, so it's no longer in force. And tithing is under the law, and it's no longer a requirement of the, quote, new covenant. Yes, tithing is under the law, but people don't seem to understand what law it is under. There's three laws in the Old Testament. There's the moral law, there's the civil law, and there's the ceremonial law. Which law is tithing under? Ceremonial. Very good. Yes. Ceremonial law were the laws prescribed as to how to worship, uh, what to give, and this sort of thing. And when you take a look at the Bible, uh, particularly in the Old Testament, you made a very good point that a lot of people don't realize that tithing was 10%, but that wasn't all that you were to give. If you were giving land or other things, there were other percentages. And if you look at Leviticus, it even depends on your age as to what you were to give. But what I find really important in the back of Leviticus, uh, the last chapter, 
that it says if you're giving grain or fruit of the trees, one-tenth is given to the Lord. But if you're wanting to buy back any part of the tenth, he should add a fifth to it. So in other words, a fifth to one-tenth could be 15% or even 25%. In other words, when you give grain or animals, it's a tithe, 10%. But if you give money, it should be more than that. That's Old Testament ceremonial laws. And this article tries to explain that Jesus himself, it says, wanted us to give a tithe. And they use Matthew 23, verse 23, chapter 23, 23. Did you read that? Uh, I hadn't looked at it. I looked at some other Bible passages. Well, let me give you this one. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. This doesn't sound like Jesus is encouraging a tithe. He's encouraging instead a life of sanctification. Because... Yeah, yeah, yes. And... uh... Which, by the way, that's the way it was taught in our seminary. Um, I often say, you know, to to our Missouri Synod pastors, take a look at Francis Pieper's Christian Dogmatics, Volume 3, page 48, and it talks about that, that uh, it is impossible to teach the doctrine of sanctification of good works in accordance with our Scripture without talking about justification. Uh, Giving backs up against justification, and from justification starts the giving. Yes. What I find in this article, again and again, the idea of giving and tithe seem to be synonyms. In other words, if you're to give... That means you're to tithe. But that's not really accurate, is it? You're right. That point, that's an excellent point that I hadn't thought of. It's a great point that you bring up that uh, he talks about that you don't have to tithe, and then he turns around and talks about tithing. Yes, and they use verses like Jesus says, Where your treasure is, that is where your heart is also. Hence, God uses finances as a gauge to see who or what we value the most in life. Now, is that true? (laughs) I would say not, and... One of the the Bible passages that they go on to use is Genesis 4-4 with uh, the story of Cain and Abel. And uh, 
I would say it starts out in verse 3 of chapter 4 of Genesis, where Cain brought something to honor God with, whereas Abel brought the first fruits of the, the first of his firstborn flock. And Luther would say, as as he looked at it, is God looks for the righteous person with the righteous faith, and then the work is good. But uh, not a you don't do a good work and then become righteous. Yes, you know we talked about the Jehovah Witnesses last week, how they would take verses and misapply them to their own wrong theology. Um, now, th this article talks about that tithing is important according to Matthew verse 19 in chapter 6. Uh, l let me read this section, and you tell me if this is talking about a tithe. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, how's that talking about a tithe? <laughs> You got me on that one because in all the years that I did stewardship for the district, we never used that that passage. Uh, in, in fact, uh, I remember a confirmation student that that his pastor had him had the entire class write on that particular particular passage, and the student came up with that uh, it was the faith that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ that we take as a treasure in heaven. And then he goes, Excellent. oh, by the way, oh, and he goes, by the way, sharing the faith with others and bringing people to to faith through the word of God would, would be another treasure that we can bring to heaven. Now, you mentioned when you were involved uh, in the district, and we have 35 districts in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Uh, Illinois has three of them, Southern, Central, and Northern Illinois, that you were involved in stewardship. Can you explain what do you mean by stewardship? Well, uh, stewardship in, in general is the gifts that we bring to, 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 our, to our Lord which involved just about everything in, in, in life. But uh, as, as you well may know, that uh, churches are coming up figuring out how their budgets are raised and how can we raise funds. Uh, my methodology has always been the one that I just explained by, by Luther. That, yeah. uh, We're not opposed to people giving to church. What right. we're opposed to is the ceremonial laws, namely 10%. I had people in my congregation that definitely gave more than 10% of what they owed. Some of them were on welfare uh, because of the neighborhood we were living in 
And so they did not have that much. But percentage-wise, they were giving more percentage than others, whereas God doesn't care about the amount that you give. What he cares about is that you will support the church as best as you are able. And that is something between you and God. You know, I knew a congregation, this is really amazing, where the group that was involved with stewardship would look at each family, look at their house they were living in, looking at their car, looking at their work, how much they think they were making, and they would tell each family what they expected the family to give to the church. Is that right? Oh, wow. No, it kind of reminds me of, of of two congregations. One did the, the generous giving to a generous Lord. And another said, if everybody just raises their giving by 5% of what they did last year, we'll make the budget. Well, they made the budget that year and said, see, our, our stewardship method works. And by year three, they were having troubles collecting their budget. Yeah. Off of that uh, legalistic, whereas the other church continued to just grow and grow and grow, and they're giving the, not just only a, a finances, but but in their outreach to the community and to the world. Well, I had a pastor, a good friend of mine, who became pastor of a congregation, and you know what they did at the end of the year in regard to people's giving. <laughs> Notice that you need to give this much to meet the budget? No. They sent out a newsletter indicating what each family gave. Oh. And there was two businesses. They both ran gas stations. And they were always trying to beat out the other in how much they gave because it would be made public in their newsletter. So he changed that. He said that was inappropriate to tell everybody what everybody gave. And did the budget go down or did it go up the next year? I would say it went up for at least a couple of years. Nope, it went down. Really? Because those two gas stations knew that they weren't going to be giving advertisement as much they were giving so they didn't give as much anymore and it took five years to get back to what they had been giving uh without that uh kind of notice about what everybody was giving i I heard that too i know there was a stewardship program out there called 10 for 10 that you tie 10, 10% for 10 weeks, and that was to encourage people to raise who weren't giving much to, to raise their level of giving. Well, one of the stewardship directors of, of uh, the congregation got up and said, I absolutely refuse to do it. And he was known for, for being a generous giver in the church. And uh, you know what his main reason was? No. Yeah. 
to do 10 for 10, he'd have to cut back in his giving, and he wasn't about to cut back in his giving. He was a 20 percenter. Yes. Now, we added on at the church I was at for 28 years uh, additional construction where we had Sunday school uh, rooms and other rooms that we built. We would put up a little oh, thermometer on the wall indicating how that was being paid. And I didn't have a problem with that because as the thermometer was getting filled, we came to a point where it was finally paid off. But we weren't encouraging people to give certain amounts. We were just helping them to see that when you give to the church, you're helping the church not only in taking care of its own uh, business, but also in speaking the word of God. For example, uh, last year, uh, we could have either shortened our giving. What happened, our furnace went out, our air conditioner went out, and also our hot water, hot water heater went out. The cost to replace all that was $13,000. And yet I wasn't making any more money. In fact, I was making less because I wasn't a full-time pastor. So we have people with situations like that where in some circumstances, they might give less than they had the year before. And that wasn't something that you should cause them to repent of. Well, it kind of reminds me of the first year we were married. You know, we we decided that we were going to give 10% back to the church. And first check rolls out, and my wife goes, man, we're giving that much? Just think of the things we could get, you know, a new TV, a sofa, things like that. And and I said, but I said, look at the blessings he is giving, and the greatest blessing is he gave you and me together in, in marriage, and, and uh, what a gift God has given to us. Well, years have passed, and you know, just just as you mentioned, things kind of get a little tight here and there with with uh, with expenses. And I told my wife, I said, we're going to have to cut back on our budget. She says, the one thing we're not going to cut back is on our giving. Just look at all the blessings God has given to us through Jesus Christ. Yes. This is really important to understand. We do not give in order to get blessings. We give because we are being blessed. Do you see the difference? Oh, yes. In fact, uh, here in France, Peepers, Christian Dogmatics, he says, according to Scripture, the only motive for good works is the pure grace of God, which is experienced in Christ Jesus. We give because of what Christ has done for us. Now, when you sent me this and I started reading it, when somebody thinks that you should be telling the congregation that everyone should be giving at least a tithe, then you're definitely going to be getting into legalism. Legalism means this is what you do or else God is not pleased with you. 
Well, we're past that. But here's the statement in the email you sent me that I want you to talk about a little bit. It's the last statement in the article. Consequently, although we no longer have a central temple and follow the same mosaic guidelines for giving, the general principle is always that the tithe belonged to the Lord way before the Mosaic law was instituted. If you do not, now listen to this, if you do not give what God wants you to give, then God cannot show you what he wants you to have. <laughs> that sounds like some of our TV evangelists that we've covered, you know, that and, and it's legalistic giving. It's, it's not grace grace based giving, and, and in terms of giving what what's what's to the Lord. The the fact of the matter is, the more that you have people come to the cross and deepen their faith, the more that they're they're willing to to open up their 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 giving. And you don't have to tell them they have to do it. They want to do it. Yes, we would uh, often put out a note what people, and this is only before the Board for Finance, as to how much they thought they were going to give during the year. And that's how we made our budget. And so a lot of times the budget was on the basis of what funds we thought would be coming in. But we would always get a surprise. Uh, I, I had a good friend who was involved in a congregation and it was a small congregation and they were having money problems, but one of the members died who owned a farm and they ended up getting from his will, $1 million. Wow. And who Can knows? Yeah, it kind of reminds me of the congregation that one of the congregations I served, which they had no budget. In fact, they said the word budget was a bad word. Uh, you just raise the money, and if you needed more, you just say the word, and 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 they would. So finally, I I said to them, "How about if we put out a spending guideline?" And they said, "Well, that 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 we will take, but." Uh, they they were taught long ago that uh, you 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 give out of what Christ has done for you. But what really bothers me about that last statement, we believe that God is all powerful. That if He wants to give us something, then nothing stands in the way. But when you say, right. if you do not give what God wants you to give, then God cannot show you what he wants you to have. Now, let's look at the cross. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they were doing. Did he say that to people who were properly giving to the temple, properly giving to the spiritual needs, or did he say that because we are improperly doing what we need to do 
and therefore God wants to give us the gift of the forgiveness of sins. <laughs> Actually, it's both. They they were properly giving, but they were giving out of out of a law motivation, and they were neglecting the other things that were going on. So, you know, as it is, God forgives us for for all our sins. Yes, even in the Old Testament, God says, do you think I, I like the sacrifices you're making or all the oil you're giving me, or do you think you're going to be saved because you're going to uh, put to death your oldest child or this sort of thing? That's what Israel was doing under false gods. They were making idols out of metal, kissing the idols, and then sacrificing to these idols which of course do not exist. And that's what happens with somebody who thinks, well, the more I give to God, the more he's going to give me what I need. That That's just well, totally that, false. Well, that kind of reminds me of in the Psalms where it says that the cattle, God says the cattle and the sheep on a thousand hills are mine. Do you think I really need which you give back, you know, the, he owns it to begin with, That's and right. he freely gives. What I told uh, my adult instruction classes is that you figure out what you're enabled to give with, with your budget. So let's say somebody's able to give, say, $20 a week. Then I say, just add to it a little bit to trust in God that he will supply that additional money. Now, if you can't make it, don't worry about it because nobody from the Board of Finance is going to be coming to you telling you that you're not giving enough. This is really something between you and God. And the church should not be giving amounts that you have to give. You put in front of the people the needs and you let them and God through the Holy Spirit decide. And whether it's less than a tithe or more than a tithe, that's really what God desires. So and thanks so much right. for giving this particular article. Um, we don't believe in the tithe. We believe in giving. But the ceremonial laws are passe. We're not part of them anymore. So I never use the word tie. Tomorrow's Law and Gospel, you can email me if you have any questions about this, and we'll discuss it then. God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your checkout to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962.
Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.